We're in a series now called Unstoppable God. Unstoppable God. And, and let me throw this in. I want you here Wednesday night. Wednesday night is not just the night we come and play around. Many people misunderstood family night as a game night. That's why we changed the name of it to First Wednesday, Worship Night of the Month. Every first Wednesday now is a night that we're coming in here. We're taking communion. We are worshiping. We have longer time to worship and a shorter message. And it's a night that we're going to pray for people. We're going to be praying for you and your families. And so Wednesday night, dynamic church service. Come out and join us this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for a powerful time in the presence of God. Amen? And so we just want to make sure that's clear. We want you to come out and join us. We're in this series called Unstoppable God. How many is glad you serve an unstoppable God? Amen? Amen. And today I want to talk to you about this topic called unstoppable pursuit. Unstoppable pursuit. You'll, you'll see on your notes where it talks about man's pursuit after God, the pursuit of man. That's the theme I'll talk about, but the title is called the unstoppable God. And I, I begin to look up this word pursuit, and pursuit means an effort to secure or obtain something. A quest. Anyone ever had that quest? I'm going to get there. I'm going to make it happen. It may be a, a, a challenge you've made uh, in your, your exercise, or it may be that, that guy you saw that I'm going to marry him one day or that woman, and, and you made a quest that no matter what, I'm, that's what my prize is. I'm going to get it, all right? And some of you wish you had let that prize go for you. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> you wish you had gave that gift to somebody else. But, uh, but nah, you got them, so just love them, all right? And, uh, but a pursuit is pursuing something that I'm not going to quit until I get what I'm seeking after. And, and I want to talk to you about that today, and we're going to use it in our pursuit of God. And I want to go to a text, but before we do, I want to just give you a history about the text. King Saul is over Israel, and he's made some really bad decisions, some bad mistakes. And the Scripture says that he, he did not follow the Lord's commands. And so God, all of a sudden, he gets with Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and he sends him to Saul, to King Saul, to reprimand him, to rebuke him, and he sends a message that's not very positive. He sends a word to Saul that says, your time's over, bro, that uh, you've not done a good job, you disobeyed the commandments of God, and your kingdom's not going to last, it's going to wither away, and it's not going to be here forever. And then he tells them why God is removing him and what his plan is. And so let's go to the scripture now. Here it is. The Lord has sought out a man. Now he's talking to King Saul, and he's telling him, your time is over, and God's got someone out. There's another plan that God has for the kingdom because the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And being a minister, I've heard that scripture so many times. I've preached on it many, many times. But I begin to ask the question, what does it really mean when God said he's sought out or he's been searching for man after his own heart? And so I just looked up a couple key words in the scripture there, the word sought. The word sought in the Hebrew means to strive for or to intensely desire. And the word after in the Hebrew means to pursue. And so in the Hebrew meaning, if you would look at this scripture, it literally means the Lord is desiring a man who is pursuing his heart. And what he told King Saul was this, I'm about to replace you because I found a man who is pursuing my heart. You're not doing that, but he is. We find it in Acts chapter 13, 22, who that man was. 
For the Bible said, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him when he said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Now, I have some theological issues with that because if you study the life of David, David's life was no better than Saul. David had murder, rape, incest, adultery. It all filled his house. So how can God disqualify Saul for disobedience to the word and put David in the same position when in reality David's lineage looks worse than Saul's? Are you with me today? And so there's some questions that need some answers, so we're going to answer them right now, all right? And so what we have to do is realize that though and through all of David's sins, his mistakes, his imperfections, God saw in David a pursuit for him that he did not see in Saul. That in the midst of David's crisis, in the midst of his struggles, and anyone besides me and my family still have crises and struggles, though you're a Christian? Anybody besides me messed up? Nine of us are honest. The rest of you have a lying issue, and we'll <laughs> preach about that on another Sunday, okay? Oh, I'll be real kind. You have an honesty issue, okay? But, uh, but we, we have to come and realize that we all can identify. And that's why I love when I read the Bible is God took imperfect people to give me an understanding that he can use me. And though I'm imperfect in so many ways, he has a way of taking that that's not qualified and qualifying us. And the thing that qualified David and disqualified Saul was Saul had no pursuit after God, but David did. And it was David's pursuit after the heart of God that said, that's the guy that I want. It's not how good he is, it's his pursuit for me. And you see David, even when David sinned, the first thing to come out of his mouth was, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, Father. Don't, please don't take your Holy Spirit. You can have everything else that I own, but don't take your presence from me. Because he had a pursuit that was going after God. And so how does God, our Father, react to our pursuit, that quest, that, that I'm not going to give up until I get there. We find it in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them where? Close to his heart. Even when we mess up, when we fail, when we disappoint him, God is so interested in our pursuit after his heart. Why? Because he is constantly pursuing ours. How many's found that to be true, man, that when you're away from him, he's still tracking you down. When you curse him, he's over here just picking you up. When you slap him, he's just holding your hand. Why? He has a quest too. And you know what God's quest is? He wants to own your heart. He's pursued your heart. If you're here today and you're away from God, you're not in this building by accident today. You're here because God's been pursuing you. If you're here today and you feel like God just hated you and, and that there's been so many negative things happening in your life and where's the God that would love me? I'm gonna tell you something today. You're here today because God's been pursuing you. He pursues us. He doesn't quit. And so God's interested in our pursuit after his heart because he's constantly pursuing ours. And so I wanna talk to you today, first of all, about the Father's heart. The Father's heart. And I want you to look at me right now, not your notes. I want you to get this. God's greatest desire today is to be close to his kids. 
God's greatest desire today. We make this thing so mystical, and, and the church has become so mystical, and, and like it's this thing taking place in the sky, and, and I can never be good enough. I can never be qualified. God can never do anything with somebody like me. No, God's ultimate desire today is just to be close to his kids. We just had Thanksgiving, didn't we? We all went over to my daughter's house, Cindy and son-in-law, Anthony, and we love it now when our kids have houses as big as ours because you can just go over there, mess up their dishes, and go home. Yeah. It's on you now. We're just visiting. Your dishwasher. But what was it? It's family time, man. Just being close with the kids. We didn't need activity. Just being close with the kids and with family and the grandkids. And, and that's what God's saying. I just want to pursue you. I'm, I'm pursuing your heart. I just want you to be close to me. Today, we've lost that in our relationship with God. And, and many of you right now, let me just stop this message and say this because we're a church reaching out to three groups of people and, and we're watching God build this church that way and, and we're really balanced right now and, and that's what church people, people that have grown up in church that know God and, and then we have de-church people that come here. A lot of people come here now that were hurt by the church, disappointed by religion and, and they've walked away from God because of that but we're watching God in his pursuit bring people back in and go, you know what, you, that's the church you saw but that's not my real church and, and you were hurt. Maybe it was you, maybe it was them but you know what? I've still got healing and, and purpose for your life. And then we've got about a third or more of our church right now is totally unchurched people. They don't know John 3.16. Many of you came in here and you're part of that millennial generation that come from a lineage that never had a Bible in your home. You never heard amazing grace. You never prayed at your meal, but you've met Jesus because he was pursuing you and he was pursuing your heart and wherever you fit in that. And many of you here today, you can't identify with a loving father because your earthly father wasn't loving. And when I use the word father today, your mind goes back to memories of, of rejection and belittlement and hurt and offense and maybe insults and attacks. And, and today you can't grasp a heavenly father that would truly love you. But I want to say this to you today, no matter where you are, God understands your fear. He understands your frustration. He even understands your anger today. But today he's pursuing you because he wants to get close to you and he wants to get you close to his heart so for the first time in your life you can understand the true love of a father. So today don't disqualify what I'm about to tell you because of what a man did to you when you've got the father of all fathers today ready to love on you like you've never been loved on before. Others like me, we grew up in church and, and, and we grew up in church, man, and we, we were taught this, you know, and we had this whole image of God as this faceless, massive being in the sky with a four by four in his hand just waiting for you to mess up. Just he, His whole task in heaven was to wait for you to mess up so he could, bam, lightning coming down from heaven. And you just, like, we thought God's whole purpose was to whip us Seriously, you was never good enough. You'd leave church going, I wish I hadn't been that preacher to kill me. I thought I was doing all right. He done sent me to hell 14 times. I'd go to the altar just to go to the altar so he'd quit preaching. Right? You had this wrong, warped image of God. God's not this stranger up there with a two-by-four wanting to knock you out every time you think wrong or do wrong. He's a father. He doesn't condone our wrong. He's not approving our wrong, but he wants to help coach us through our wrong so we can learn to do right. Yeah. 
So I want to talk to you today about this heavenly father. And so I want to challenge you today real quick because time's going by. But how many would join me today, whether you're that person that comes in with a bad background that's filled with hurt or you're like me, you grew up in church and had a warped image. But how many will join me today and let's just open a clean slate right now and say, let, let me find out what the scripture says about my father. How many will do that with me today? All right, let's go real quick. Let's go to the probably the most famous scripture in the Bible Let's read it together. Read it out loud with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to take that scripture and break it down and tell you three things about the Father's heart. Number one, the Father's heart is loving. The Father's heart is loving. For God so loved the world. And can I tell you, as a pastor today, I love this congregation. I love you more than I can tell you. And I believe with all of my heart that if the decision was made today, I would lay my life down for you. If someone walked in this building and put us to a test and said, you die or they die, I believe with 100%, I could say I'll put my life down. I've asked God a million times in the last nine months, if you'll take my life and give my grandson his, you can have it. Matter of fact, if you could just take my brain out and put it in my grandson's head and let him have a normal life and me be a vegetable, I'll do that. But I can't stand here today and tell you that I would watch my son die for you. My love for you is enough that I would give my life for you, but I can't tell you honestly today and stand before you and know I'm telling the truth and say I would watch my son die for you because now you're asking for my love to go to another level but that's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you and he loves me today as he gave the ultimate price to show you and I. But Pastor Dan, you have no idea how bad I've messed up, how far from God I've strayed. It doesn't matter. God loves you. In 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. You wanna know how much God loves you? He's given you his name that I get to call him my father. The greatest affirmation we can ever have in life is to have a heavenly father that affirms us with his love. And today he loves you. I have four children. They've made good choices and bad choices in life, but my love for them has not been based on their choices. It's been based on who they belong to. And I'm their father. The father's heart is a loving heart. The father's heart is a giving heart. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, why? That he gave, he gave his only son. Let me share this with you. Generosity, giving, generosity is always associated with cost. Anytime you give something, it costs you something. But cost is always associated with value because I give according to what I value something. And the value of something determines what it will cost. And the value of a thing can only be determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And, and I was taught growing up in church many times unconsciously, but I was taught that you're just this dirty, rotten, wicked, evil sinner that's just trying to get to heaven and hope that God will just love you enough to, on that rapture day to take you out of here. And you're just this dirty, rotten sinner trying to struggle through life and make it until Jesus comes. And I mean, unconsciously, that's a lot of what we heard because we were constantly preached to about how we're failing in our flesh. 
And, and what you got to realize and understand is that gave us this concept of our whole life was spent on trying to become good enough for God to want us rather than pursuing the heart of a God that already loved us. And so Christianity became a job rather than a joy that we never became good enough to enjoy it. And I want to share this with you today because your value is not based on what someone thinks about you. Your value is based on what someone's willing to pay for you. And if you and I were so bad, why did God place such value on us? Because our value is determined by what he was willing to pay for us, and he gave his ultimate gift, his son. Now that's worth coming to church for right there. Because you letting other people tell you how worthless you are when you've got to look at what really matters and tells you how valuable you are because you're as valuable as what someone is willing to pay for you and God paid the ultimate price when he gave his son. God's heart is a giving heart. God's desire was for us to be near his heart and to accomplish that, he had to address the sin issue. And to address that, he had to conquer and pay the ultimate price by giving his son that satisfied the sin, the sin issue, so that we could come now boldly to the throne of grace and say, my father, my father. Number three, the father's heart is a searching heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I say this to you today? You're not here by accident. You may think, well, I just decided to go to church on a Sunday. No, you are here today because the spirit of the Father of heaven has been pursuing you as a quest. He said, I'm not going to quit until they come home. I'm not going to stop until they say yes. I'm not going to quit loving them until they understand my love is genuine and impure. Yes, they've made mistakes. Yes, they've been hurt. Yes, they've done wrong. Yes, they've run away. Yes, they've denied me. Yes, they've hurt my heart. But my pursuit for them will not cease until I win. And they understand the true love that I have for them. God is searching us. He said, even if you make your bed in hell, I'm going to meet you there. You can't outrun me. You can't outsend his grace. You can't get so drunk he can't mess you up. You can't get so high that he can't get to your heart. Because he's searching for you. Anyone in here ever lost your child? Not on purpose. Now, <laughs> I know we've all had that. They're free. Anybody want them? <laughs> free. Three children for free. But anybody ever been that we have? You know, you're in the mall. You're out there at a big park, and all of a sudden you turn around, one's gone. And you don't go, oh, what the heck? We got three left. <laughs> three out of four ain't bad. Let's go home, kids. Get in the car. Johnny will find his way. If the puppy can get home, Johnny can get home. Nah, man, your heart starts beating a thousand miles an hour, don't it? It's just like, man, panic just fits in. I've been there, you know, like, uh-oh, panic. Now everybody in this park becomes my friend because you're helping me find my son. I don't care what you're eating. Put that down. We're finding my son. He's lost. Your heart's going a thousand miles an hour until you embrace them. 
Can I tell you, that's what the Heavenly Father is doing today because he's searching for his lost children. And I want you to get this today. God's heart beats faster for you when you're lost than he does when you're found. God's heart was beating faster for you today before he found you than it does today after he found you because you were lost then, you're found now. He's like that father in heaven right now going, my son's lost. Help me, church. Help me, family. Help me find them. And that's why we can never sleep until every person in this community knows Jesus. We can't go to sleep. God's calling us. Go help me find my children. Go help me find my son. Go help me find my daughter. And if you're lost and you're away from God here today, he's calling out to you right now and his heart's beating a thousand miles an hour saying, I've been looking for you. Found you. It's always searching. But I want to talk to you in closing about the pursuit of God's heart, the pursuit of man. We find a story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. It's a little long, but I want you to read it with me so that we can understand it. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do my work myself? Tell her to help me. Here's Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Would you underline that in your notes? Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, the pursuit of God's heart does not start with his face. It starts at his feet. The journey to God's heart is not his face, it's his feet. And God spoke to Martha and said, you don't get it, Martha. There's only one thing that needs to be done. There's only one thing important in this room today, and Mary's doing it. You're not understanding it. And I want to talk to you about three steps in this story of Mary and Martha that gives us in pursuing and knowing the heart of God. Number one, here it is. We've got to learn to listen to God's voice. Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening, listening to God's voice. In John 10, 4 and 5, when he was brought out of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Can I say this today? Too many are listening to voices in the wrong places. Too many of you are listening to a media. That's why you're in a panic today. And there's issues we need to know about, but listen, the word of God trumps everything. My staff will tell you, every response we give to anything comes to this church is the Bible says. The Bible says. Not about our opinion. It's not about what this church believes. It's the Bible says. And whatever it says, that's what we're going to operate by. And we've got to learn to listen. 
We, we've got so taken that away from the, the responsibility of every individual. I mean, you can just live like you want and run into some prophetic line and somebody's going to prophesy over you. And I believe in all the gifts of the Bible. I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you something. God's not interested in you finding his voice through a third party. He wants you to know his voice yourself. And people that are searching for a prophet or people that are looking for a third-party interaction with God rather than have their own. And I believe in all the gifts, but now you can go online. Do you know that? You can go online, and there's prophets and prophetess, and you can contact them, send them a check, and they'll send you a personal prophecy. you got to have a check. <laughs> the bigger your check, the better your prophecy, I can promise you. But you got to come today and realize that God wants to talk to you personally. And, and we've got to come and realize today that, that running from one line to another is not the answer, but God wants you to come and know his voice. God wants to speak to you. And let me tell you how he does that. And I, again, I believe in the gifts, and I've had words given to me, and, and I, I discern what's from God and what's not, but you need to be careful running around looking for somebody for your answer in somebody else's mailbox. And you need to open your own mailbox and get your answer. Amen. That's called relationship with God. I don't go to, to Satan and ask her what my wife's thinking. Because that could be dangerous. Two women speaking into a man's life at one time. That's dangerous, all right? I'm going to go ask the wife. Because she's the one I'm in relationship with. She's an acquaintance. She's a relationship. You with me? And that we got to be careful that we don't try to hear from God through acquaintances and not have the relationship. I'm just trying to talk pastoral over you and protect you. How do we hear from God? How do we know his heart? Number one is the word. The word. The word of God is alive. No other book has the ability to change and transform us from the inside. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to hear God speaking to you, read his word every day. Just open that book and start his word. And if you don't know where to start, go to our website. There's a, click, a link on there that says Bible in one year. And click on that and it'll take you through the Bible in a year. Just read those scriptures every day. If you're going to hear from God, get into his word. Number two is worship. Worship magnifies God. It makes him bigger. When he becomes bigger, everything else in your life becomes smaller. And worship brings you into an acknowledgement of God. Man, yesterday when we were in here praying about the potential facility that we're looking at and keep praying, as we are we're right now, we're in the process of due diligence on a 60,000 square foot building on 10 acres of land that will do amazing things if we get it. It will be a miracle if we get it, but God's a miracle-working God. We got this one in a miracle. We can get another one in a miracle, all right? But, but I, we were in here praying yesterday, and, and man, every song that came up, every worship song that was played yesterday, it was like a phrase in it that God was speaking to me, and it was just amazing because I've heard them a thousand times. But yesterday, they had specific meaning and purpose because in that worship, these key statements kept hitting me from every song, letting me realize how big God is, and when you see how big he is, everything else seems small. Yeah. Becomes possible. 
And I want to challenge you today. Watch the application. You need to create a constant environment of worship around you in your daily walk with God. If you want to hear him and get to know his heart and get close to his heart, you need to start surrounding yourself daily in your car, in your vehicle, in your home, on your job when you can. Put them earplugs in and turn the world out and let worship come alive inside of you. Number three is prayer. Prayer. If you're going to know the heart of God, you've got to talk to him. You see, to many, prayer is simply talking to God. The prayer life that God is seeking today is not you to talk to him, but you to talk with him. My wife does not respond to talking to her. I'm just going to tell you right now, that don't fly in my house. You talk to her, we'll come back and do it again when you want to talk with me. And so much of our prayer life is I'm running to tell God what he needs to do to fix my stuff. Come on, admit it. We hadn't spent prayer in three days, but now I have a crisis. God, you've got to, he ain't got to do nothing. God, if you want to know the Father's heart, you don't find it talking to him. You find it talking with him. That's, man, I want to spend time with you, and I'm not asking for nothing. I just want to be with you. Are y'all, you with me today? All right? And so we've got to come and realize today that most people's prayer life is not a prayer life. It's a petition life. That's talking to God, but talking with God is a life of relationship. Then last of all, and this is, The relationships, your relationships. God will speak to you through relationships. Let me go back to prayer. We have prayer here every Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock for one hour and every Saturday at 9 o'clock. And I'm asking this church, especially for December, to come here every Saturday except the Christmas Saturday. I want you here every Saturday at 9 o'clock because we need a big breakthrough on this property. And these type of things only happen through prayer and fasting. And I'm, I'm calling this church. I want you to come every Saturday you can at 9 o'clock for one hour and agree in prayer with us for the favor and the blessing of God. And right now, it's shining on us. I mean, we're talking about a $4 million piece of property that we don't even have a fraction of that. And they're coming to us rather than us go to them. And so let's don't lose this because we didn't pray. So join me at 9 o'clock every Saturday and let's pray. But relationships, relationships, God speaks to you through relationships. Everybody look at me right now. Bad relationships brings bad counsel. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you run with is where you're going. I hadn't even taken the offering yet. That's some good stuff right there. Positive people Godly people in your life bring godly counsel to you. My wife would tell you, the only time I go to the mall with her is when she'll go hunting with me, and that's never. So she don't go hunting, and I don't go to the mall. Okay, there's no malls in heaven. I just want y'all to know that. But there's fishing in heaven because Moses had a rod. I just want y'all, okay. And there's deer in heaven because the deer panteth by the brook. And uh, Anyway, and uh, (laughs) it just sounds good. But I don't see malls in the scripture anywhere. But uh, where was I going with that? Oh, uh, but when I do go to the mall with her, I just go to the food court so I can look at who don't have friends. Because if they had a friend, they wouldn't have wore that. And if he had a friend, he wouldn't have put that on. 
and I just look at all the friendless people that I see in the mall because if you had a friend, they would have talked to you. Good relationships brings good counsel. You need to make sure you got right relationships. That's why we have small groups in this church. And I want to encourage our, this semester is almost over. We'll start another semester in February, but you don't have to wait to then. I want to encourage you to go ahead and start your own little group with a handful of three or four people. And if you're at a, at a restaurant or a coffee bar or whatever, that you just sit down and you become accountable to somebody because life change comes through relationships. But you better have the right ones or it can change bad. And so let's, let's move real quick. Number two, and, and, and let me just say that in relationship, that's why we set this church up. And I've got to close. That, that's why we set the church up on the hours that we do. Our services are an hour and 15 minutes long. But we put two hours there intentionally so we didn't have to rush you to your car and rush the other group in. We put a 45-minute window in there. That makes our day very long. Where we could have knocked an hour and a half out of that and this team that's here faithful every Sunday... We do that in purpose because we have a 30-30 principle here. What is that? Come 30 minutes early and stay 30 minutes late. And get to know other people in your church family from the other services that hang around and from this one. And so next Sunday at, what time do we start? 10? At 9.15 next Sunday, we're going to have dozens of Dunkin' Donuts back there for you to come 30 minutes early and get a donut, some coffee, and get to know some of the other people in your church family. So 9.15, not 10 o'clock next Sunday, all right? Okay, number two, how, how do we know the heart of God? How do we find it? We serve God by serving others. I'm just gonna give these to you very quickly. We serve God by serving others. Jesus modeled that when he sat before his disciples, and all of a sudden he stood up, and he shocked them when he began to disrobe in front of them. The Bible said he unclothed himself in front of them and took a towel and took it with a basin of water and began to wash where? Their feet because the way even to our heart is our feet. Because when Jesus washes your feet, he humbles you to a place that you know he's not there to kill you, he's there to heal you. And it opens our heart to receive from him. He washed their feet before he spoke to their heart. He girded himself with a towel and he served them. Let me say this today. You will never, ever be closer to the heart of the Father than you are when you're serving someone else's need. Ever. I challenge us as Transformation Church, and you already are, so it's easy for me to preach this here. We're a serving church, but we can get better. And that's every day of our life. I have a challenge. Every day, one of my quests is every day I have to be able to write on a piece of paper before I go to bed at night how God used me that day to impact somebody's life in a positive way, whether it's a meal or it's a hug or a prayer, but something that was intentional to someone that impacted their life that they can go to bed and say, God still loves me. Serving others brings you to the heart of God. And last of all is choose daily to surrender your life to God. Choose daily because you can't listen to God and you can't serve others if you haven't surrendered your heart to Him on a daily basis. Those things won't happen. Listening to God, serving God, but here's what I want you to see in Mary and Martha. The one thing that God was looking for was a genuine heart that simply desired to get close to Him. 
while Jesus was in her home, Martha was busy doing all the chores. And, and, and here's what Jesus said to her in our language, is Martha, you're more concerned with the outward presentation than the inward pursuit. You're, you're, you're wrapped up in the outward presentation of, of, of me being impressed by you when Mary's interested in the inward pursuit of who I am. And can I tell you, unconsciously, much of our Christian life gets spent on outward presentation while we ignored the inward pursuit. God's not impressed by what I preach today if I'm not searching him out myself in the midst of it. God's not impressed by our team as gifted and awesome as they are if they're not individually pursuing him in their own life and worship. What they sang today has no meaning to God. You with me? But they do, so I can say that. And so God's saying today, he said to Martha, you, you got it backwards. You, you doing all these things, but there's only one thing that really matters in this house today, and it's what Mary's doing. She's at my feet. She's listening, and she's pursuing my heart. So let me wrap it up with these points today. The Father's heart still loving. God loves you so much today. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what mistakes you might have made, no matter how bad you've been hurt, no matter how mad you, you may have become or even that you've disappointed God, God loves you today. That's why you're here. Number two, God's giving. That he loves you and me so much that he gave the ultimate price and that's his son. And today, God, he's searching. And listen, some right now are in a place Right now, you're here at Transformation Church on a Sunday morning. You're in a place that not only are you being searched by Him, but today you can find Him. Because you're in a place you can do that. Will you bow your heads with me? All across this building right now are people. We teach our team and our staff here. There's only one thing that matters in this church. Obviously, it's God, but it's about people. It's not about programs. It's not about us. It's about you. It's about people. And you're here today because God's been pursuing you. He's been chasing you. He wouldn't let you go. And right now, if you're here and you say, Pastor Dan, I, I'm away from God. I, I know he loves me today. This message is for me and and, and I've been hurt, I've been wounded, I've been offended. I've made bad choices, whatever, but I know I'm not where I belong with God right now. I'm not a bad person. I'm just in a bad place spiritually. And wow, man, today I realize that there's only one thing that matters, and that's for me to come back to the heart of my Father. And He's ready for me today. If that's you, would you just slip a hand right where you sit? Just slip it up. God bless you. I'm not going to point you out. Hands going up all over this building right now. I'm not going to come to you. I want to pray with you. Anyone else to join these, you can put your hand down once you've raised it. I just want to pray a prayer with you because Jesus loves you today. You know what he's doing? His heart's going a 1,000 miles an hour right now. And he's saying, my children are lost, but I got, I'm going to find some today. Some are going to come home. I'm going to find, we're going to rescue. Anyone else, very quickly, it's the heart of your father's beating for you. Don't ignore him. Come to him. If you raise your hand or you did not and you're ready to make that commitment to Jesus. Will you pray this prayer with me today? And we're going to join and pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you,
confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, we give a hand clap to many, many people here today.